I'm Dennis. I'm Bonnie. And we are here to discuss the number 61 movie in our countdown of the best, best picture winners. Yes. And what movie are we going to discuss today? This one is Dances with Wolves. Yes. Ever um, heard of it? I have heard of it. Yeah. I told you before, I think I saw this one when it came out in the theaters. Right. And often when I say that I've seen a movie, then we start talking about it, and I realize I haven't seen it. But this one I actually had seen. Yes. Although I was confusing it, I conflate it with uh, Lonesome Dove. Okay, we can get to that. <laughs> yeah. uh, similar time period, mm -hmm. at least when they were made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, too, watched it when it came out. I was 15 at the time, and this was something of a formative movie for me back then. It was really, really the first adult movie. By adult movie, I mean movie, <laughs> a movie aimed at adults. Uh -huh. And I remember coming away at, at the time as this middle teenager... Thinking, yeah, you know, Star Wars is a lot of fun, and The Princess Bride is a lot of fun, but this is profound. This is deep, and okay. we'll we'll get into how how um, well that's held up okay. over the years when we get into the movies. But yeah, it was just I, it was a big movie for me throughout my like high school years, and I didn't really remember that so much until I went back and rewatched it this time how well I knew, like, I could anticipate lines So did you rewatch it? I watched it a lot in high school. Really? So did you have a VHS? Or? I have a VHS. Oh, so you, yeah. re you literally rewatched this movie. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I would have watched it a lot. Like, I, and I didn't even... So much so that I, I didn't again, know I until I watched it again. You. I'm like... Oh, you know, this guy's gonna shoot himself after he leaves, and like you know, I kind of knew. Yes, when it was, as the movie went on, I could okay, anticipate good. the line. I have a lot to ask you about it then. Yeah, well, we're, we're gonna get all into it. Um, hey, before yeah. we do, can I just say one thing? Yes, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but uh, I watched over the week. Yes, I mentioned this to you before. I watched True Grit. Yes, which is from last week. Right, and one of the losing nominees. One of the week. losing nominees. So, yeah, that's been a fun part of this whole process is, you know, we get together, we talk about it, and then we really enjoyed... I'd never seen that movie before. Right, and this is the 2010 remake, the, or 2010 other movie version of the book, however you want to look at it. But Right, the Coen Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Remake that? of True Grit. So oh, anyway, that was no, just can't. yeah. I did. I really liked it. I love the character of that young girl, that fourteen-year-old girl. Maddie, yes. I could see. She's so. I saw each of my three daughters in her. You know, just yes. her, her, um, her whole character, the her way she character. handled things. And I, one of the. Um, Departures this movie makes from the original is it has that epilogue where you see her as an adult and really the toll that this focus on vengeance has taken 
on her. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I really love the movies. And, yeah, uh, you know, so you've now seen, because you had already seen The King's Speech. The King's Speech, And Inception, Toy Story 3, and The Social Network. So you're like halfway through this huge list of nominees. This is uh, 2012? 2010. 2010. Oh, that's right. 2010. Yeah, 2012, yeah. Okay, 2010. Yes. Yeah. I've now seen... And now we're back so. with another Western, uh, which was yeah, a week, favorite yeah. of mine in high school. And, you know, as the years went on, it kind of... Like, I never officially broke up with the movie. <laughs> like, I never watched it and said, oh, this really kind of... It's not that good. Uh, but I just kind of fell off the rotation. And, and you know, I, but by the time, I remember when Avatar came out, it was became kind of a punchline that, did you see Avatar? Or no. You, you, but you know what it was. Blue right? creatures. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a lot of the, it became kind of a punchline to call it Avatar and, or Dances with Wolves in Space. Okay. Just because it's a movie about this, um, white guy who goes to live with these Navidi people or Navu, I don't remember all the names. He goes to live with them. To as his ulterior motive is to steal their resources, and there's Rude. It's a very yeah, it's a very on the nose allegory. But it's so. Um, but by that point, it was like I was kind of on board with like yeah, this is just kind of silly, but kind of got to it without having revisited it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and what year was, was Avatar? Not that 2009. Long. 2009, okay. Yeah, so almost 20 years after Dances with Wolves and yeah. about uh, 13, 14 years ago. Wow. So this podcast is coming out in 2023. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so that's my background, and we'll get more into the movie um, in a bit. It was... The movie was, at the time, a real sensation. Real big surprise as it was being made. It's Kevin Costner's first directorial um, effort. Uh, spent a ton of money on it. Uh, people were calling it Costner's Folly and, um, or Kevin's Gate. When it was being made? When it was being made. Well, I mean, and, that Buffalo scene. Oh, yeah. When we get into expensive. it, I'm yeah. very interested in how they made that, but... Right. Yeah, so it was also nicknamed Kevin's Gate. I'm not, are you familiar with the movie Heaven's Gate? No. Yeah, it was a notorious flop. Uh, the director, Michael Cimino, who was fresh off winning a bunch of Oscars with Deer Hunter, which we'll get to eventually, basically had carte blanche to do whatever he wanted to do next. He made this three hour Western. Huge, one of the most expensive movies ever made at that point, and it was a notorious flop. Oh, okay. Uh, but this was really the year of the sleeper hits. Um, and why a sleeper hit just means a, like a surprise movie that opens and usually through strong word of mouth, it just stays in theaters for a long time. The industry term for that is having legs. Okay. And that happened throughout the year, so much that the top four movies or just movies that didn't really open that big. You know, 1990 is 
maybe like half a generation out from the blockbuster era, starting with Jaws and Star Wars, and you see the industry moving more towards big opening weekends, and then doesn't stay in theaters that long. Today, if you look at the opening weekend as a percentage of a movie's total gross domestically, you look at like about a, a third is good. Really? Yeah. So if your opening weekend is less than a third oh. of your total, that means that you've actually made a lot more longer term than you were expected to. So that's like a good sign okay. of a good word of mouth. Mm-hmm. If it's like 45, 50%, that just means that it opened big and then mm-hmm. just people stopped going. Yeah. Uh, so like this past year, Top Gun Maverick was a huge word of mouth hit. You mean you saw it twice? Yeah. In theaters. <laughs> that's how big. Yes. Well, after, that's because, after its opening weekend. Wait, I went with you. Yes. And then my, our, let's so Julianne, my youngest, and her husband, who it might have been before they got married. Anyway, during that, I think they yeah, got married. Yeah, it was May. It was May, right. Right. Oh, so, so it was the week before their wedding. Well, I had to go back in and. May. I had to go back right. and, and watch it with them. Right. Okay. He had just graduated from the Naval Academy. He missed the showing. They had, yeah. a, they had a showing there, and he's in at flight school now, so he was on his way to flight school. So that's why I went back was to go with them. But I wouldn't have gone with them if I hadn't enjoyed it. Anyway, you can cut that part but, out. <laughs> I can cut out whatever I want. I'm the <laughs> Yeah, so that the Top Gun Maverick, it was uh, its first weekend was seventeen percent. Oh, okay. So that's okay. a big outlier today. Yeah. Um, by when we go back to nineteen ninety, we're, we're not quite as far down that path. That was kind of the watermark then, which was kind of the fifteen to twenty percent was good, and then anything less than that is like really exceptional and then if we get more than that so, so there was a lot of big hits this year uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie okay Total Recall uh, Dick Tracy and then a bunch of sequels there's another 48 hours Back to the Future Part 3 and Die Hard 2 these movies all opened around 20 million dollars uh, which is kind of small Today, but it was really um, back to exceptional. the future but, part three. You said, yeah, I think that one was about nineteen million dollars, but that was and that was, was probably eighty percent of its. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a big deal because it was the last closing part of that trilogy. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's definitely the least of the three. Yeah, I'm that's the one with the train. Yeah, that's the Western one. The Western, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm not prone to liking Westerns anyway, but... Okay, well... I mean, I like True Grit, but... Yeah, well, we'll be talking about Westerns a lot yes. this, this okay. episode. Yeah, so those movies all kind of opened big and finished around 20 to 25% um, okay. of their gross. Um, but none of those... 
big hit movies were within the top four for 1990. By top four, you mean nominated? No, no, no. The top four um, highest grossing movies of the year. Oh, okay. Uh, so starting early in the year, back in March, a movie called Pretty Woman opened. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, it had an opening weekend of $13 million, uh-huh. which is pretty good for romantic comedy. It stayed in the top five each week in, um, into June from wow. March. Wow. Yeah, it was. It ended the year at number four with $176.3 million, and its opening weekend was only 6.3% of its total wow. gross. So that movie had a lot of yeah. legs. People, yeah. and I'm sure you remember it when it came out. It was. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I remember it when it came out, probably, but um, I know that is a movie that I've I've watched several times. It's easy to watch. Yeah, again. and a big word of mouth hit. I mean, it's a Cinderella story, and I think what really got um, audiences excited is that salesperson scene. Yes. Which is just, <laughs> I think anyone can relate to, like, the snobby salesperson. Like, no, it's... you work on commission, don't you? <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake. But, no, you know and what I like remember most about that, that is when they redid that, they had like a whole office episode sort of on that one scene. Do you remember? Oh, and Kelly no. Kapoor was like, she's just, she oh, wanted to okay, describe that. that. And yeah. she's like, Big mistake. <laughs> anyway, they had that whole yeah. thing where um, they. It was an episode of The Office using Dwight as the pretty woman character, and they recreated that one scene, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so now let's go into the summer. This is the blockbuster season. The big July 4th tentpole movie is Die Hard 2. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis at the top of his action hero game. Um, a lot of the columnists and the entertainment media at the time like to joke about how Die Hard 2 was opening the week before Bruce Willis's wife's new movie Demi Moore had a movie with Patrick Swayze coming out called Ghost oh. and people like think oh gee I wonder which one's going to win at the box office between these two <laughs> Artie Har Har yeah. And it seemed to bear out with the first weekend. Ghost made about $12.2 million, which was second for the week to Die Hard 2's second weekend. Yeah, but Ghost overall. Ghost stayed in the top five through November <laughs> from July. Uh, ended up with $217 million, wow. which I think at the time was 12th or 11th of all time. Wow. Um, it was ended up being second for the year, actually. With its percentage was five point six percent. Wow, that's another it, movie that and, I could watch over and over. Yeah, and so you know, Demi Moore ended up kind of with the last laugh. Um, it was it ended up about a hundred million dollars over Die Hard Two. Wow, I don't. Which was not an, an, a flop by any means. I mean, no, I remember Die more. Hard, the original one. Christmas, kind of an unusual... Christmas movie, yeah. Christmas movie. It opened in August, but whatever. <laughs> why do we think of that as a Christmas movie? Because there's a Christmas tree in it. You know, why is that... 
It's set at Christmas. Oh, it's set at Christmas. Okay. Okay. And then Die Hard 2, I don't really remember that. I don't even know if I saw it. I've actually, I love Die Hard. Uh-huh. I haven't seen any of the sequels. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I saw Die Hard 2. Yeah. But I, I have seen Ghost and the sequels. I've seen Ghost and Pretty Woman. Ghost was a big hit. Ghost was a big hit. Deservedly so. Yes. Um, I said Ghost ran on through, it's in the top five on through November. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's last week in the top five was the week before Thanksgiving, where the number one movie was a little movie featuring a kid in the, type, in the main role called Home Alone. Oh, wow. Yeah, which actually won that weekend with 17.1 million. Pretty big. Oh, but that must have made a lot of money. Yeah, it was number one for that weekend and the next 11 weeks. Wow. It was number one. It's, I think, still fourth for most consecutive weeks at number one. Really? What's the one, two, three? <laughs> He's like, darn, you're going to um, make me a... I don't know the order, but it would be, I think it would be E.T., um, Titanic, and Tootsie. Okay. Maybe Avatar is in there, too. But if we're looking at just consecutive weeks, I think E.T. was not consecutive. So it's interesting. I don't see E.T. on our list here. It did not win Best Picture. Yeah, or it, Tootsie. Did... Well, those were both 1982. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. They both lost to a pacifist. And then Titanic won. Uh, a pacifist? Yes. Is that the name of the movie? No, 1982. Oh, let's see. 1980. Oh, Gandhi. Yes, yes. he is a pacifist. Yeah, so Home Alone. Um, yeah, that was a 6%. Uh, it stayed in the wow. top five, actually, through May of 1991. Okay, so this year was unusual, then, for having so many of these sleeper hits? Yes. Yeah. And then the fourth one was the movie we were talking about, Dances with Wolves. Was a sleeper hit? It was a huge sleeper hit. Well, it's opening... I'm not going to count its actual opening of um, 600,000, because it started off on just 14 theaters. But in Thanksgiving week, when it had its full release, it only made nine, $9 million. It stayed in the top five until April of 1991. Wait, from when? From Thanksgiving. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, ended up grossing $184 million, which placed it third for 1990. How much did it cost to make the movie? Um, I don't have its budget handy. That should be easy enough to check. Because it looked like it was expensive to make. Yes. Yeah, that would be good to know. Budget was $22 million. Really? Yeah, I thought it would be a lot more than that. Okay, so it was a big money maker. Uh, yeah. Hugely successful. What I found interesting was that Six of its weeks in the top five uh, during the 1991 portion of its run. Another movie in the top five for those weeks was The Silence of the Lambs. Really? From 1991. So oh. I don't winning know. Winning the next year, right? Winning the next year. So 
I, I found it hard to fact check this or went to like Google to figure out. I'm wondering if that's ever happened before where, you know, your weekly top has two best picture winners. Mm. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the only time, at least as many as six weeks with both of them in it, just because the silence alarm is very unusual, um, early opening for a best picture winner. Um, we will get to that eventually, but it opened, um, President's Day weekend, so... Yeah, I have avoided watching that movie, so now I'm going to have to watch it. It just seemed very scary. Yes. <laughs> you will have to watch it, and I'm not very hesitant to rewatch it. But yes, I, I know. I grab it. Uh, yes, I, I think it'll be a while before we get to it. So okay. um, I have time to prep myself. You have time to prep yourself. Okay. So then what was, am I getting ahead of us, what was nominated? Of those four sleeper hits we talked about, Home Alone was kind of on the sidelines of the Oscars. It was only nominated for the music, its score and song. Oh, not for picture. And lost, no. Pretty Woman had to settle with one nomination that was a pretty big one for Julia Roberts, Best Actress. Okay, yeah, because she was still fairly new. Still fairly new. She had a Best Supporting Actress nomination the previous year. Mystic for- Pizza? No, for Steel Magnolias. Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, she's really riding high. Yeah. Uh, But the other two were nominated for Best Picture. Of course, you know our winner. And then Ghost was one of the losers. Okay. So why don't we start with Ghost? Ghost. Anything we've talked about a little bit. Yeah, I really, um, I like Ghost. It's such a... What's her name? Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. She's so fun in this movie. Her her having him inside of her, whatever scene right. that was where he invades her mm-hmm. is a really fun scene. Uh, also, I, I, I like the depiction of the you know, the afterlife stuff, you know, the whole... Oh, yeah, it is a creative take. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the, you know, some of it, you know, I I don't know if it's like, I don't think of it in the same terms as like Casablanca or anything. Oh, good good point. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, it's a little, can be, you know, like a lot of the love stories predictable and whatever, but it's really watchable and... I yeah. I enjoy that. You're talking about the pottery scene. I mean, the pottery scene, you know, as far as a love scene goes, it's, you know, it's a it's a good one. I, I think it's, you know, it's. I always find myself surprisingly, they portray his best friend who preys upon her. Mm-hmm. I find myself surprisingly get getting caught up in that every time I watch yeah. it, even though I know what's going to happen. Yeah, have you seen it recently? No. Yeah, I've, I mean, it's been a few a, years. Yeah, the movie has a reputation for being something that just didn't hold up very well. I've, I watched it a year or two ago, and I have to say, I still got caught up in it. Yeah. I mean, when the movie wanted to be a comedy, I was laughing. When it wanted to be a thriller, I was, like, caught up in yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. When it, it was romantic, those. I was, like, 
Therefore, movie. It's yeah. like one of the most famous love songs of all time, but this movie has somehow just like claimed it as its own. Yeah. The Unchained Melody was probably almost 30 years old. By the time the movie came out, it's like, I mean, you can't hear it without associating it with a ghost. Right. Even though it's played like every American Idol right. episode, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, that is interesting. And it, um, and it does have, you know, these depictions of of uh, heaven and hell that you don't really see and not of well, heaven and hell. Well, it's just an unusual the, movie for that subject matter. Yeah. And you brought up the... You brought up the friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that really surprised me last time I revisited it is how good Tony Goldman is. Mm. And this because his early scenes, it's like you can kind of tell that there's something up with him, even yeah. though he like plays it off. And then when his character turns, it's more like, well, he's just kind of a creep. Yeah. But then like the other shoe drops, and then when the things start falling in around him. Like, yeah. he does a really good job of showing that terror Yeah, that he, when he comes face-to-face with the supernatural and the consequences right. of his actions. He was actually really good. Yeah. I was very surprised. But I, yeah, you're right. I'd, I, that just re- thinking about those um, scenes again, that the whole depiction of the... Desperate on both sides, you know, you yes. have the Patrick Swayze who's dead, he's so limited in what he can do, but he still has some, you know, that he'd learned to, you know, influence objects. Yeah, and from so, another ghost on the subway, which I also like that scene Oh, yeah, too. you're right, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that um, is, is so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really unique take but something that you know when you see or think of movies like the exorcist that mm-hmm. actually depicts a or based on a true story right where you hear some of these exorcism you know sort yeah. of um ghost is not based ghost, on a true story no it's not based on a true story but it's you know it plays on it takes elements from you know, is that true? Is that not true? And then puts it into this and that whole, you know, moving yeah. things around. And, and you're right, having that character, the, the friend mm-hmm. character realizing, you're right, the, his his sort of terror and when he realizes that, but still still being able to keep, keep his wits about him and... Yeah. 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 You're I right. Mean, so I, think that's, I want to watch that seems, again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the conventional wisdom is that a ghost is pretty lame, but here, is it? On some cinemas, we're fans. Okay. Yeah. I have to um, say, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to I, like that. No, we don't have to go into it. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, I get that. It's like, well, why is this yuppie couple so important to get? You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. With the movie. I went where the movie wanted me to go with it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Whoopi Goldberg is so funny. She's so great. She's so yeah, good. she's so, yeah. Do you remember Awakenings? No. Uh, that was the Penny Marshall movie. So she directed. Um, Penny Marshall? Penny Marshall. Like Laverne and Shirley? Yes. 
Laverne. Yeah, famous for playing Laverne. Okay. Um, later became a very successful movie director. Mm-hmm. Wasn't she from a, like a daughter of a... Yeah, Gary Marshall, Gary Marshall. is a producer, director. Of the, the um, Brady Bunch? I don't know. I don't he, know. Might, he might be, yeah. He might be. I, I'm trying to think too. of... Yeah, he did sitcom. I, well, yeah, I think he did Laverne and Shirley, too. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a sitcom guy. Okay. All right, so Penny Marshall directing yeah, Awakenings, this is a, which is nothing like the Brady Bunch. Nothing like the Brady Bunch. Do you have any familiarity at all with it? No, but it sounds supernatural and kind of creepy. It's not supernatural. Oh. It's the story of a... Uh, it's based on a true story about a science, um, a medical scientist played by Robin Williams, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a really shy guy that gets, prefers research work but gets put in an actual clinic that is occupied by comatose patients or I think they're more catatonic. I don't know what the right terminology is. But they're just not responsive. Okay. And he develops a drug that awakens them. Oh. And they get their lives back. Um, Robert De Niro is one of the patients. And he seems to get his life back, but there are side effects to the drugs, and they kind of wears off, and they, they do actually go back to their oh. initial state. Wow. Yeah, so it's a dramatic movie, a very dramatic for Robin Williams, and it's a Best Picture nominee. Yeah, Penny Marshall's kind of at the top of her game as a director. What else has she was, directed? Uh, her movie before this was Big. Oh. oh. And her following movie, her next movie, was The League of the Realm. Okay. So oh, two big know. hits on either side. Those mm-hmm. are probably better remembered, but it's mm-hmm. also nice to have a Best Picture nominee mm-hmm. on your... Resume, so uh, this was a... She's, is she still directing? She's probably she too She passed away. Oh. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I um, should pay more attention to... Yeah, a bit of a controversy this year that she wasn't... She didn't get a Best Director nomination. Mm-hmm. The controversy is mostly in conjunction with the following year where the Prince of Tides gets the Best Picture nomination and Barbara Streisand doesn't get nominated. So it's part of a trend of was women she directors. The, she was the director. I didn't know Barbara Streisand directed. Yeah, she also directed Yentl. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so was, best director was kind of a boys club then. So mm-hmm. a little controversial. Um, Ghost also didn't get a best director nomination for Jerry Zucker. Um, so the next nominee is... The Godfather Part Three, oh, which did get a Best Director nomination. Scorsese, no, um, um, Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola. Yes. Okay, very good. His only Best Director nomination outside of the seventies. Okay, he is related somehow to either Leonardo DiCaprio or um, another one of those, Nicolas Cage. Yes. Nicholas Cage, okay. Is Nicholas Cage's uncle? Okay. Right? Right. Uh, anyway, he's related to Nicholas Cage. Okay. And Talia Shire. I don't know her. Okay, well, you'll we'll have three movies with her, I think. 
Uh, she plays Adrian in Rocky, and she's also oh, okay. um, Connie Corleone in the first, and she's in The Godfather Part Three too. Okay. Uh, she's okay. She Adrian, is, uh, so is Rocky on here? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what what do you know about The Godfather Part Three? I don't know anything about it. I I, I know vaguely answer. about The Godfather. There's a horse in the bed and. Yes. I think I I don't know if I've seen that movie. I've definitely seen parts of it. Um, yeah, there I, there's big baptism scene. Yeah, that's where the first things one. are being killed at the same time. Baptisms are happening. Or a okay. baptism is happening. I know that scene. Uh, that's all I know about. Yeah, from that baby's an adult in the Godfather Part Three. Okay. Which is uh, sixteen years after the Godfather Part Two. Um, its reputation now is as the bad Godfather movie, but actually it was quite well received at the time. I got good reviews, Best Picture nomination, mm-hmm. um, did relatively well at the box office, uh, not in comparison to the first two. Well, wait, let's see the Godfather. Oh, they both won. Yes. Wow, seventy two and seventy four. Yes. And then this one is long time. Nineteen ninety. Yeah, first for Coppola, I wanted to call it the death of Michael Corleone because he envisioned it as more of a coda and not part of a trilogy. Okay. And I think that is part of what uh, Paramount insisted that it be called The Godfather Part Three, mm-hmm. the Paramount. studio, and they, mm-hmm. they pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the movie's reputation suffers from having it as, as number three in so it's compared so directly to these two beloved movies. At the same time, I mean, that's clearly the weakest of the trilogy. Um, there's It suffers from some of the characters not coming back, and particularly the Robert Duvall character. So in that sense, I think calling it the death of Michael Corleone and making it just about Michael story that happens down the line may be better received. So Michael Corleone is the baby and the first uh, No, he's no. the Al Pacino. Oh, Al Pacino. Al the baby's father. Okay. So not to spoil a movie that we'll get to in okay. over a year, I'm sure. From now. <laughs> yeah, so that's The Godfather Part 3. Okay. Um, but it's another gangster movie that's really the other big tentpole movie of the year. It's... Um, Hollywood's getting back into two of its classic genres, Western and the gangster movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have you ever heard of a movie called Goodfellas? Yes. What do you know about it? I don't, I don't know anything about it, but I have heard of it. Yes. I don't know who's it, in it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about it. Is it Martin Scorsese? It is Martin oh. Scorsese, yes. <laughs> oh, I was just going to do that as a joke. Keep saying Martin. No. I saw Martin is... Scorsese on Bill Maher a few weeks ago. So remember we talked about that. So I, oh, that's yeah. why I keep saying Martin Scorsese. Because I guess... When Tarantino oh, yes. was... <laughs> trying to remember. Never mind. <laughs> you can edit this yeah. part out. <laughs> No, I will not. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, Goodfellas, directed by Martin Scorsese, is his, I mean, he has so many iconic pictures. This is one of his most acclaimed. Um, 
It's a story of Henry Hill, who was a mafia informant. That's based on his memoirs. He's played by Ray Liotta, uh, who we just lost this past year. Um, you probably know Ray Liotta as Shoeless Joe in Field of Dreams. Okay. Uh, and so it's about Summer. his... He's an Irish kid that, as a kid, he, he developed some connections with the... Italian mafia in his neighborhood um, at the time. And uh, it's about his life in crime. Uh, Paul Sorvino, who we also lost this past year, was is one of the mafia bosses, uh, but he's most closely tied to characters played by Robert De Niro, um, who was also in Awakenings and Joe Pesci, who is also in Home Alone, and he's married to Lorraine Bracco. Hmm. Um, so it's really, it, it's, I, I really love Goodfellas. It's, it's, I don't know how deep to get into it because this podcast isn't about Goodfellas and you haven't seen it. Um, I think really almost... Everybody loves Goodfellas. Uh, some people don't. It is violent, so I think that would turn you so off. So do they have a violent. scene in Goodfellas where they're sitting by the co- in a car and... <laughs> yes, so far. <laughs> yeah. Then there's some sort of drama. <laughs> Somebody yes. gets shot. <laughs> Okay, now you pulled out Tom and Louise. (laughs) (laughs) And there he goes, bananas. Yeah, you also might be thinking of a scene from The Godfather. No. Okay, there are... Yeah, someone gets... Shot or strangled in a car? I don't know. When you said Joe Pesci, then I thought, well, maybe we did see that more recently. It doesn't seem like a movie yeah. I would see. Don't pass you was also in The Irishman. It was a Mark Scorsese movie. Yeah. Much I, more recently. Yeah. I older. might have started to see The Irishman because everybody said this is so great. It is. And then I started watching it and I'm like, this is really it's violent. It's not It's very violent. <laughs> so I th- then I paused. Be. I think I might be confusing it with the beginning of The Irishman. But Joe Pesci's not in that. Yes, yes. Oh. That's Much older. Okay. Because that's a 2019 movie. Yeah, I think I'm confusing it with okay. that one. I, f- I feel like I saw a few scenes and cars. then turned it off. In cars. I'm not sure about the cars, but... Okay. Somebody's house, apartment. Yeah, um, but, you know, you, I think a movie... This is a movie where you can really see Scorsese's... Jesuit upbringing, the roots that he is always talking about with his kind of obsession with um, moral dilemmas. Oh, in good times? Yeah, how it it really depicts the seductiveness of the lifestyle without endorsing it. And... um, yeah, I, I, without just 
devoting this podcast to Goodfellas and getting into examples. I'm just looking at that. There's plenty out there about it. What's his this Jesuit is, upbringing? Where's he from? I mean, just his education. I mean, he was, he's an Italian Catholic from New York and was sent to Jesuits. He was schooled by the Jesuits. Talks okay. about that High a lot. High school? Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, and maybe that'll come up when we get into our Martin Scorsese movie. Right. I don't know when that will be. I don't know what I'll be. I don't know what... I don't know what movie it'll it be. It might be next. I know what movie it'll be, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah, so that's Goodfellas. It was... I mean, you could say it's Nancy's strongest competition and that it won the most critics' awards, and that was uh, the... should have been, but it's, by the time of the Oscars, Dances with Wolves was like a 10-ton gorilla. Mm-hmm. And nothing was going to stop it. It's obviously going to win, and it did win. Okay. So what is, what's Dances with Wolves about? Uh, Dances with Wolves is about a Civil War soldier, actually an uh, officer, army officer, who essentially it's about him going to this western outpost. He gets there. It had been abandoned. So he keeps his post and... While he's there living alone in this post, this army post, he um, becomes friendly with the nearby Indian tribe. Uh, So anyway, yeah, so it's about his, it's essentially about his friendship with them and then, and then becoming almost one of them. Right. Um, Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it, but that's the basic. And there's a love story in there too. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so how a big this, buffalo scene. How do, yes, a big buffalo scene. <laughs> Very impressive. Tatanka. Tatanka, yes. So we do know some Lakota <laughs> from the movie. From the movie. Um, so uh, how did this hold up for you in the 30-some-odd years? Since? Well, I had remembered it not terribly fondly. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't... I was like, okay, we gotta, I gotta watch this again. I remembered it as being long. I also, we talked about this last week. I told you the thing I was dreading the most was the scene. Yeah, <laughs> you told me that. You told me this after I had just rewatched it. Maybe yeah. I told you I was not looking forward to that. I was dreading rewatching that scene where she had just, remember the the, the non in the non Native American woman who. Stands just with been, fists. Stands with fists. Um, who had just been, I didn't remember her name, but who had just had this like serial rape or something, and we're seeing the after effects, and just it was very upsetting at the time. And anyway, and Dennis is, you were looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm confusing it with something. That is, I was confusing it with Lonesome Dove. I'm pretty sure that's in Lonesome Dove. I would have yes. yes. I would have also thought that there was a, you know, scene with them okay. bringing the coffin. But anyway, that was also Lonesome Dove. So part of it, <laughs> I was confusing. I was conflating Dances with Wolf with Lonesome Dove. So so how it held up, um, I grudgingly watched it. You know, I wasn't looking forward to it. The first two thirds, yes, I really liked. It yeah. was. Very entertaining. It was, you know, it was interesting. It was thought-provoking. And then the last 
third or so. It was just like, wow. When the troops fell back up, kind yeah, of the division point. Yeah, it was really, it was like they peaked at that Buffalo scene, and then after okay. that, it was just like, okay, let's let's tie up this movie and tell you all the message that we want you to have, and then we'll we'll stop. I don't know what it was, but so then we ended it with again with like okay I'm I'm kind of ending where I ended in 1990 where I saw yeah. it the last time was like okay well and did I'm you watch, watch the theatrical version or the I extended cut I did not watch the extended cut because I was already <laughs> like right this is going to be too long. So I did not watch the extended cut. So did you watch the extended cut? Yeah, I watched both, actually. Oh, gosh. Um, well, my, actually, you know, my, my process for these is I always watch them two times. So okay. I will, when we get a new movie, I watch it in one sitting just to get the, to absorb it. And then throughout the week, I'll put it on in 15-minute chunks. And so watch 15 minutes, take little notes on that. And then kind of it gives me a better sense of the structure and which parts work better Whoa. than others. So <laughs> that's very intense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, I the extended version I did in fifteen-minute chunks. Though. Okay. Yeah, really, no reason to watch the extended version. It's just a little. Some scenes are extended. There's some useful stuff, but nothing really important. Like okay. the the. Crazy guy at the Kansas fort. You get a little more background into how he thinks he's the king. Okay, I would really like to know, like, what is going... I had yeah. such a hard time figuring that out. Laura, right. our oldest, was watching yes. with... And she's... I didn't even get, like, what is he doing? She's like, oh, he's trying to kill himself. You know, the, this is the Kevin oh, Costner... Well, right. <laughs> so I, I did... Oh, when Kevin, Kevin Costner was trying to kill himself. Yeah, yeah. there are two suicide references in yeah, the two suicide opening references. Yeah, sequences. So, yeah. So if that's a trigger for you, don't watch that. But Yes, uh, too late. Yeah. Did yeah. we give a spoiler alert? Oh. That, yeah. Well, we're going to... We're going to talk about the movie, so... I do have it on my notes, but the movie... Yeah, we're spoiling Dances with Wolves. Yeah, he... Yes. We'll put it in the description at least. Yeah, so that was interesting. And that, the, that, that was the, the part we just mentioned, though, isn't really a spoiler. This is the first 10 minutes yeah, of the right. movie. Um, but if so, if you are adverse to spoilers and want to um, find out what happens at this two thirds point where Bonnie stopped liking it, then uh, tune out now and go watch the um, theatrical cut and come back. Yes. I don't even know if it was anything that happened at the two-thirds mark, but right. it was, you know, they, I thought it they'd done a pretty good job of the, I mean, it was a little, like, I don't know, is it 1990s or 1980s or 1950s yes. that the whole, you know, he falls in love with the one white woman <laughs> In the Indian tribe, which is is kind of hilarious for a movie that is being so, um, I don't know, kind of ramming some of the stuff down your throat at the end about yeah. the, you know, whites, whites are, you know, that, uh, anyway, the, the Native yes. American stuff, but anyway. Native Americans are good unless you're Pommy. 
Unless you're funny, which you're thoroughly bad. Yeah, that's the part of, you know, I said before, like, I could hear the lines coming before, and I I completely forgot about how, how, like, negative, I mean, this is like a, it's like they're out of a 1930s Western, where I don't, (laughs) yeah, I I, I even wonder if some of the 19... unambiguously, um, like, all these people want to do is kill whoever is there, and they're just, like evil and the music comes up to tell you yeah, that these people exactly. are yes. so I was very surprised yeah so some how of badly that, some of that in. was not like you know they they sort of tried to hit you over the head with it whereas I thought when they introduced the Sioux there was mm-hmm. some nuanced characters so yes. there was the guy who ended up becoming his best friend is kind of portrayed as Within more hair, right. yeah, more violent to begin with and the adversary yes. and and so you do see this progression. Yeah, of, certainly more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. more aggressive, mm-hmm. you know, the and especially as 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 contrasted with the um the sort of the priest father figure. Yeah. Um uh, holy man. The kicking they, bird. The, kicking the, bird, yeah. yeah. The, um, right. Like the medicine man. Right. Yeah. So he's the you know, sort of the ready to be friendly, you know, wise uh, to begin with. So they, you know, there was a little bit of, of, and they did have some, you know, naughty kids being, you know, little boys being, you know, yes, what what so young men would be, would do as far as some of them wanted to be punks and, you know, others not. But, um, you know, so a little bit of. A little bit of nuance, and they at least took a little while with this love scene. But it is very like looking back at it now. It's like, well, of course, the one white woman that he sees is going to be the, how they uh, right. do the. You know, it's just kind of like a cheat. I don't know. Looking back on it, it's like if you're if your whole point. So I guess here's what I didn't like about the movie right. is it gets to this point, then you get after the buffalo scene. And then it's like now they've got to really shove everything else into there, and then it, and and we're watching him slowly become Sue. So his hair becomes right. longer, and he's and he starts wearing this feather, you know, like yes. the other Sue, you know, because he'd gone on this hunt with them and all this other stuff. And what I would have loved to them to show is how you can be. You know, not totally give in to this whole tribalism. Yes. You know, like why? You know, he was so good at being a a a good soldier in his fort and and doing you know doing his soldier thing with with dignity and treating other people with dignity and all of that. And then all of a sudden, you get to after the buffalo thing, and then he like. You know, because they saw the dead buffalo that hadn't been used for anything, right. like it all of a sudden snapped and it turned yes. him. And then he was like, I reject my country. And now I'm this complete, you know, yeah. sort of, tr- I don't, I don't know another, if you a traitor, but like, yeah. it, you know, it's like. So another significant, well, we'll finish your point. Anyway, so they just get so now in order for him to be fully, 
you know, accepting of the Sioux, he has to completely reject the other side, which just gives into this whole, you've got to us pick a them. tribe, right? It's always right. us or them. Mm -hmm. Pick a tribe. God forbid you could be right. actually born into one tribe and be empathetic and have a dialogue and, and you know, because, you know, looking back yes. on it, then it becomes this whole war and stuff when exactly. he could have actually had the it would have been so interesting if he'd gone back well anyway we can get into it i didn't no, no we will get into and it and it's so we'll hollywood the anti-military like just skin oh. deep treatment of military is old yeah anyway we'll, we'll get, get into, into all of that part because yeah. well, one of the interesting things actually from the extended version is those people who skinned the buffalo and um, left them there. The tribe the tribe catches up with them and kills them. Okay. So you remember right after that, um, Kicking Bird calls, dances with wolves to come with them as they come up on the hill with the buffalo. Uh-huh. We find out a little bit later on that that was to get him out of the war party. He was going to go off and find these people. And so then they come back to the scene at night, and he finds these people killed who had done these things. And so then he gets into, like, how he's conflicted with, you know, these, but it wasn't right what these people had done, but I'm, I'm not... He's, like, kind of uncomfortable with how they handled it. And that's when he said, I can't sleep with the tribe. I have to sleep apart. Oh, so with okay. So the cut, the theatrical cut, it seems like that's mm. because he's ashamed of the wagon people. Okay. But in, in the extended cut, it's, it has almost a different meaning. Where oh, that is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and and it was like, how do you know that this was the wagon people and not another Indian tribe that, you know, just figured out, like, yeah, hey. Like the Pawnee would do that. Right, Pawnee's <laughs> terrible, right? Yeah, they'll, they'll do anything. I mean, yes. it's just a matter of what you're... I was also wondering, like, isn't if they had just killed them... Like isn't that yeah. like somebody else? You don't you don't necessarily need all that stuff. So now you've got all this um, meat. Well, yeah, I know it's been sitting on the sun. I'm sure it's not. Yeah. Spoiled. Yeah, I in my revisiting this movie. Years <laughs> later, I actually will. I think I could make a case that Star Wars and the Princess Bride are actually more profound. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, as a 15-year-old, I was really, the the narration, I think, kind of, it tells you the big ideas. And, yeah. you know, being young and mm -hmm. sophomoric, almost literally, right. is, you know, it's like, oh, okay, these are big themes, and, and this is profound. And then you realize, oh, it's not really coming through the story, it's just kind of being explained by the, I the there's one review from Time Magazine which I have to credit because it's like I almost can't describe the character in any other way. But Richard Schickel in Time 
in his review of Dances with Wolves, described... When it came out? When it came out, described Kevin Costner's character as an aging yuppie who suddenly decides to take his Sierra Club membership seriously. (laughs) (laughs) And now I can't unsee that. Um, But in revisiting it, I kind of see two different movies here. There's the Dances with Wolves, this social commentary movie... And there's Dances with Wolves, the escapist adventure about the guy who wants to just leave everything behind, go off the grid, see the frontier before it disappears, and gets to live in an abandoned army fort with fresh provisions, and he's got his own pet dog and his own pool. (laughs) And even though he's from the Colorado... Um, Nebraska border, or what will be, weather's always perfect. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, make some friends. And, you know, it seems like I'm making fun of it, but that part's actually pretty fun. And, like, you really kind of get swept up in it. And it's almost like the, one of those Sim Cities, you know, like if you, you know, such create... a sandbox quality. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, I just want to stay. Except, like, there's no stream running into that pool, so it's got to be just stagnant. <laughs> it's got to be really disgusting. But anyways, imagine it. It's not pool, portrayed. It's pretty cool. It's not portrayed like that. It's portrayed as refreshing water, not stagnant. Yes. But it's got to be disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And I remember what just really moved me back then was that balancing with wind in his hair where, you know, he says, he comes around the first time they meet and says, don't you see, I'll never be afraid of you. And then at the end where he says, don't you see, I'll always be your friend. Uh, Like that got me back then at 15 and it got (laughs) me this time. I just, it was, was, you know, and I don't think... I was so impressed at the time that you have that balancing and it's, you know, a technique like you learn first day in creative writing class, but I think there's a reason. It's because that's effective. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, really get caught up in, in several of the relationships. You know, I think it's often written off as the fact that the Sioux are one-dimensional, and they are like they're all good, but like as you were saying, yeah. there's, there's variety in them. Yeah, and so that part yeah. is good. I think where a movie really suffers is, first of all, in that narration, almost all of it is just not necessary. It's, it's so hard to place this character in the setting because he does feel like how Time Magazine described him. You know, it's like he just like. Dropped out of Berkeley after yeah. he, you know, changed his major from philosophy to poli sci, and mm-hmm. like it's, I I just could not get into his character, mm-hmm. and then also when the army returns, mm-hmm. it's just it's so broad, and I don't it's it's not just that it's offensive from the military side. But it's also, I think, undermines the point it's making. Because the problem with the treatment of the 
first peoples or the Native Americans is much deeper than the fact that, okay, uh, some evil individuals who like to shoot dogs and for fun killed these or or invaded the lands of these noble people. Mm -hmm. You don't have to build it up in such ways. These people have dignity, whether they're the Pawnee as they're as they're depicted, and when, just to clarify, as we've been talking about the Pawnee, we're just kind of mocking how the movie depicts them. These are right. It's a real tribe of. We don't they actually think that they're evil. Yes, and they were. Uh, yeah, the Pawnee actually did object to this movie. I at imagine that time. they would have. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't even accurate. I guess the the they were. I believe at that time vastly outnumbered by the Sioux, and <laughs> depending who you believe, they were the, uh-huh. not the aggressors. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that yeah. can of worms. But anyways, it's it's not. It, the movie never brings up anything challenging, like about manifest destiny or about different ideals of the character of America that that may be behind some of this violence. It just kind of takes the easy route as to obvious villains. Like, the first thing they do is kill our precious pet horse, and then, like, five minutes later, they kill our precious pet dog. Right. Yeah. It's just too easy. It's it's way too easy. It's way too easy. And it's like, that wasn't... it's, It's... you also will it it gives ammo to the other side or like the whitewashing side just to say how inaccurate it was because it wasn't i mean they right. see oh there's an engine and then they start shooting on site right which it wasn't the policy of the US government to, yeah. they knew that these people lived there that it wasn't to kill on site when you see one right and and, and, yeah, it's there's not so one. much of that that didn't... It just doesn't ring true. It doesn't ring true. It doesn't, you know, it's 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 not very thoughtful either because you you they've sort of built him up in that fort as, you know, duty, writing in his log. He's, even though right. there's nobody there, he sort of operates as a soldier and all that kind of stuff, which yes. is actually kind of a new thing mm-hmm. you know because he was a little loopy to begin with but but then you know it's like when he turned he turned all of a sudden so when he comes back and they're there and they start shooting you know he never like says hey i'm an american or hey right. i'm a soldier or whatever yes. you know he, he doesn't it's they see a, a feather and like all of a sudden they can't see anything yeah. Like a bunch of Pavlovian dogs. And then it's like, no, you know, first of all, he could have done that. He's an officer. He could have asserted his yeah. officerness. You know, they'd show one other officer. Oh, it's yeah, it's it so just, like, listen. it doesn't ring, you know, they just sort of really did this whole straw man to well, this whole thing. Well, and there's an opportunity to... A great opportunity. Right, to really get under, he's such a the character is just such a blank slate that, and it's like, it's it's like he's come from the future. Like you, you can't, 
it, it's it's First of all, he says, well, the frontier is going to disappear or, you know, the white men are coming like the stars. And you can see that in retrospect. But with an officer, I've known that in 1962 or seen... Because at that time, I mean, this is wide open. It's it's not... I don't... I'm not a a historian. Mm -hmm. I kind of, from what I know, I kind of doubt that someone in his position would be even thinking that way that the frontier is about to disappear because it's like there's still wide open space in Ohio right you know at this time maybe I'm wrong but at least show me in the movie where he gets the idea right. or that the white men are going to come in these vast numbers because so it's like he's come from the future right and we don't know anything about his background his his um, his dialogue or his uh, narration seems to suggest that he's pretty educated, which would suggest that he's got must have some connections back home that like he never there never seems to be anybody who misses him or that right. he cares about. Yeah, that is true. He is kind of that blank slate. So and it's like even going back to his decision to attempt suicide the very beginning of the movie just because he's losing a leg I don't know I think the movie kind of just needs more than that like yeah the obvious thing would be maybe he gets a letter that his wife died in childbirth or something like what he's fighting to get back to is gone you know that it's kind of an obvious answer but Something yeah. that does that work that's maybe less right, obvious. Yes, something. So something like that he did have a life that's gone. And so then maybe when... And, and get more into his ideas about the frontier, what his purpose is there, so that when the officers come in later, or the soldiers come in later, you can see them, them aping some of the same points. So then it's not so much that these guys are just evil and he's nice, but that he's kind of rethought some of the preconceptions that he's had and they have those same preconceptions and they're working off of those. You know, so if he comes in with ideas of, you know, we need to expand into this land and, you know, bring the, Mm -hmm. the virtues of civilization and our... Are, are great uh, stuff, but coffee grinders. Yeah, like the manifest destiny type mm-hmm. of of uh, argument. Yeah, coffee grinders. Right, and that would and that would mean that it would make much more sense then that he would use the, you know, the role that he that he did have in going back. You know, he could have been a mediator between. The, you know, the, you know, great opportunity. And if, and if you're so wise that you can see that, oh, they're going to come in, you're eventually going to be wiped out and stuff. So if you know that, then wouldn't you do something rather than just have them run and hide, which is essentially what you have them do. Wouldn't you rather like, okay. Take them up on their own. Like, why why, Was this just in the... In, in the extended version, 
did you see where they offered to have him be the translator, or they suggested to him, we need you to be the translator to them? To who? The officers, he was getting oh. beat up by the soldiers, and the officers yes. were a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. And then the officers the one took officer. Him, the one officer took him aside and says, hey, yeah. look, we need, I think it's just in the extended version. Okay. He says, we need to use you as a translator. Okay. And then he refuses to no, that's talk in the to regu- that's in that's in the regular version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, that's why not regular... take up on that Right, offer? that's what I'm wondering, like... you know. And, bef- you know, you should have, it, it shouldn't be that, you know, the one reasonable officer, you know, tell you, you should have, you yeah. should have started there. Here's what, like, here's if you're so wise. Right. Yeah, hey, yeah. don't, don't do that. We've got, um, you know, it's, well, yeah, I mean, I don't understand. I was stationed here. I mean, I was going to starve to death if I didn't right. do, make the connections that I did. So it's right. not, nothing, I don't think he had actually done anything treasonous except give them the weapons, which, he doesn't have. They don't have to find out about. But yeah. But is even but that it wasn't. He, it was he gave to use them the weapons to use against the pony. Right to to use against the pony, which is you know, that's customer to do the same. I, mean, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I I don't know. But that you know, he's not using it to, you know, it's like I mean, we're doing that to Ukraine right now, right? We're yeah. giving Ukraine. Right. But anyway, so. Yeah. We don't let lieutenants make that decision unilaterally, but hopefully not. But <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but anyway, but you t- you know this is part of that. Oh, I you stand know, that, with Ukraine, though. The yeah. the military, the sort of the Hollywood has a terrible time grasping the military. Anyway, and even yeah. from those opening scenes, like because oh. really, what you have to assume is like. Oh, the the senior officers that were on scene, they're like, they can't tell the difference between this guy trying to commit suicide and being the bravest man out there. Like, come on now. And And like that because that's the wrong, but wouldn't the basic premise at the beginning is that they have the medical wherewithal to save the limb, they're just not gonna waste it on the but he's an officer, right? Like a lieutenant. Laura was really she. We sat down. She's like, I don't want to watch this. And then it starts with the scene yeah. of the thing. And she was very, very strong with. I'm like, what are they doing? And she said, he said that they know they have to get rid of it, but they're too tired to do it. They're right. just not. They don't want to. So, I don't know for disinterest, but, but for whatever reason. You know, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna kill myself because of this," but the whole premise of where he gets to where he is is because, on site, the all the senior military is like, "Oh, this guy is so amazing. We have to give him anything that he wants. We're gonna, we're gonna promote him. We're gonna, yeah. you know, we're gonna do all this." So, so they were all duped, and it's like, or they could have just seen this worked out well for us. For this yeah. crazy lieutenant, maybe we don't punish him, but really we're going to give him anything he wants? Yeah. And so it's it, just... It's an, I think it's we like, should put a pin in this scene, too, because I was thinking about this at the time. It's actually very... Would you say that the movie depicts it, this act fairly nobly, like his decision to 
kill himself because his leg, he's going to lose his leg. Um, does it depict it nobly? I mean, they depict it as good things coming from it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of morally dubious. I mean, it's kind Which, of crazy. It is crazy. It's kind of like the king guy. And uh, why did the war last so long if the southerners are such terrible shots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> but I want to put a pin in this because... I don't want to use the name because of spoilers, but there is a Best Picture winner coming down the pike, which is very controversial because following a plot twist leads to characters making a decision regarding assisted suicide, which I remember... I'm sure a lot of listeners know what I'm talking about. I don't Offhand, know. I don't think you've seen the movie. You might remember the controversy. I don't know. I think this would be a good discussion to revisit when we get to that movie. Okay, let's do it. What movie because are we talking about? I don't want to give the name because okay. it's a spoiler. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it, it just kind of sticks out to me because I, from what I remember, it's all of the discussion on this movie is around debating that decision. Okay. And this movie kind of gets a pass for, like, a, mm-hmm. a much more minor injury. Like, yeah. The, losing a foot is not, like, something right. that we talk about with assisted suicide. Okay. Uh, so, I don't know. And I, I'm not... The movie we're going to get to is one that I just didn't know how to feel about it at the time, and I didn't... I never really reckoned with it, so I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel okay. when we get to it. All right, well, will I think you remember we'll, this pin? Yeah, we'll All put right. a pin in it. The last thing I wanted to talk about yes. with this movie, was this an awesome buffalo scene? The buffalo hunt scene? Oh, that was amazing. It was amazing. And they like, did it without entering any buffalo, which is... I don't, I don't know how they did yeah. How do you know they... And the scenes where the buffalo are coming... It's like the buffalo are, are, are coming over the camera. Mm-hmm. Like, how did they do that? Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then the whole... I, I mean, mean, they have some trained buffaloes. Yeah, but they've, and... they've got, you know, like, how did they not have the horses and riders get trampled by the buffalo? I don't know. That was such... I was like, when I watched the buffalo scene, I was like, okay, well, this must be why it got yes. this best picture. Because that was so impressive and amazing. Yeah. It was also kind of like, okay, when the the uh, smiles a lot, you know, yes. you know exactly what's going to happen. You do know exactly what's going to happen. You know, happen. so he's just not a very subtle yeah, you director. You could tell, like, there is... No, he's not a very subtle director. He does have more Best Director Oscars than Alfred Hitchcock. <gasps> <laughs> What's um, his other? Oh, oh no, he's, Field of Dreams? No, no he, he has one. That. Alfred Hitchcock has oh. number one. Yeah, but I mean, it is. He got he got the most votes this year. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything um, else that you want to say? What What else? He got twelve nominations. Okay. Big deal. Um, three of them for its actors. Can you guess okay. who it would it be? Did she get one? Yes, Mary McDonald. Okay, that's who that is. Nominated yeah. for Best Supporting Actress, lost to 
Whoopi Goldberg. Okay, that for ghosts. That's Whoopi Goldberg should have one. Although yes. I thought she did a fine job, especially trying to be like trying remember, to talk. Yeah, trying to learn how to speak English again and having her hair messed up the whole time. Yes. Uh, and so what else? Uh, maybe kicking birds. Kicking Graham birds. Green. Graham Green. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was wonderful. Yeah, uh, he really he was. the Best Supporting Actor nomination. It's such quiet dignity. I love that kind mm-hmm. of understated acting. Yeah. He lost to Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Okay. And then the biggest surprise nomination for me was Kevin Costner was the Best Actor nominee. Yeah, that is surprising. It's just, I mean, you just you had to do it. It's right? Kevin Costner. It's I Kevin guess. Costner. There's a lot better in other stuff. I, I just, yeah. I just did not find this character very convincing. You know, Adam was like losing his mind every time he would um, go take a bath. He's like, this guy is always naked without his gun around. Like, what is the problem? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he wasn't very. Um, yeah, it wasn't a very nuanced uh, depiction. He didn't win, though, did he? No, he did not win. Okay. Uh, he lost to uh, Jeremy Irons for a Reversal of Fortune. Um, we didn't talk about, but it's, that's the movie about the Klaus von Bülow case where he was convicted of murder and then he went to Alan Dershowitz to run his appeal. And it's one of my favorite legal movies. Oh, I never it's, heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And then the last, uh, Reversal of Fortune. Reversal of Fortune, 1990. Yeah. Yeah, you should check it out. Yeah. And, well, just to wrap up, the acting winners was, I thought, best actress was Kathy Bates in Misery. Oh, I don't know the movie, but I do like Kathy Bates. Yeah, it's a horror movie. Ugh. It's really good. She plays a... Really? She's a, in a horror movie. She yeah. can do anything. No, it's, um, James Caan plays like a Stephen King type character, and... He gets injured, and she becomes his nurse. He's okay. kind of stuck there in a snowstorm, but she's his number one fan. Oh. And she, yeah, it gets pretty wow. creepy. She's great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't really have much more to say about this. Yeah, we, we have a lot to a say. Um, do right, do so we have anything to do other than get to number 60? Number Maybe 60, okay. 60. I'm still, let's see, I have Marty and Nomadland and Kramer versus Kramer as guesses. Yes. Yeah. And you have The yeah. Artist, Patton, and American Beauty. Right. But neither of us got Dances with Wolves, so we both have to add one to our Oh, list. okay. I know what I want to pick, but I'll let you go first in case okay, you let's might take see. mine off the board. I think it might be, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, there's so many, well, I want it to be Titanic, but it probably won't. I'll say Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Wow, I didn't know you, oh, it's a there. Yeah, it's written I'm on my list. I'm the subtitles for it. No, it says it right there. Okay, we'll add that to your list. Okay. And mine will be... I don't want to will it into the existence because I don't want... The 30s is my favorite decade, and I don't want to um, narrow it down to four. Uh-huh. The first decade to be less than half. But 
I don't believe in willing things into existence because it's already been written. So I really do think that um, you can't take it with you is coming up pretty soon. Okay. So I'm going to add you can't take it with you. Okay. Any chance at all that we match the year? Uh, 60. Let's see. The apartment? No. No chance. No, no chance. It's... Goodness, there'd be something uh, wrong. One thing in... Going through the list, um, we've also never had the same decade come up back to back. Okay. So, which is weird. 30s, 80s, 30s, 80s. <laughs> yeah. That's what we like, kept doing in the 40s, right. 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And still don't have a 70s movie. Yeah. Okay. Kramer versus Kramer. It's going to come. Or Patton. Ready for number 60? Yes. Oh, Argo. Argo. Oh, that was okay. not on my radar. Yeah, okay. I have never 12. seen that. I'm, I did. I. Oh yeah. no, I did see it. This is the Iran one. Iran one. <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen Fargo. Fargo. <laughs> Very different. Oh, so terrible. Okay, so we've got Argo. Argo. Okay. Not from the nineties, so still no two decades. So join us next week as we talk about Argo, number sixty, the uh, shortest. Title of a Best Picture winner, tied with Coda. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I have. All right. Goodbye. Next <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>